0: Good morning. This is Pastor Mike Letterman with christlives.org. Today we continue our series of lessons entitled Can God Really Do It? Can God Really Do It? And our focus today is Can God Really Meet Your Need? You know, this is a common element that unites all the people of the world. There's one thing that every person and the sound of my voice has in common. We all have needs. There will be times in every one of our lives when we will experience a need of some type. Perhaps that need will be material in nature. That seems to be where we focus much of our own attention in this life. There will certainly be times when there will be emotional needs, and at other times, needs of a physical nature will surely present themselves. At other times, we will face days when the greatest need in our lives will be spiritual in nature. What are we to do when these needs arise? The natural reaction is for us to worry, but we know from the Bible that this is not God's will for our lives. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 33. Should we try to meet our own needs? The simple answer is yes. When we have a situation that's within our power to help ourselves, then we really don't have a need, do we? What I'm referring to are those times when we have reached the end of the line. We've done everything we know to do to meet our own need. We have exhausted every resource, and we are left with the reality of our own inability staring us in the face. What do we do then? Let's read from the Word of God. Elijah announces a great drought. Now Elijah, this Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead, said, to Ahab as the Lord the God of Israel lives whom I serve there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word then the word of the Lord came to Elijah leave here turn eastward and hide in the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan you will drink from the brook and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there so he did what the Lord had told him He went to the ravine east of Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Sometime later the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar, so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, "'What have you done against me, O man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son?' "'Give me your son,' Elijah replied. He took him from her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed.' Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? And then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child And carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. So, what do we do when we've exhausted every resource and we are left with the reality of our own inability staring us in the face? What do we do then? The answer is at once simple yet deeply profound. It is an answer given by the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. His answer to getting the needs of this life met was this, and Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. Mark 11:22. All I'm saying and what I intend to show from this passage is that we have a God in heaven who can be trusted to take care of his children. When our needs arise, so do our doubts. The devil and the flesh whisper to our hearts, can God really meet your needs? If we aren't careful, we might wonder the same thing. This, dear friends, is the question that faces us this morning, is a question we must answer and an issue with which we must come to terms. The question I would like to ask and answer this morning is this, can God really meet your need? I'd like to begin by saying, God can really do it. Let me show you from this chapter why I say that God can really do it and God can really meet your need. You know, there are many sides to our needs. Often our needs arise from strange and varied sources. Three are mentioned in this passage. First of all, in verses one through seven, we see an uncommon service. Elijah's need rose from his obedience to the will of God. He was doing what he was told and then his need came. No, there are times when you seem to be doing everything just like you're supposed to be doing it. You're paying your tithes, you're going to church, you think that you're living right, and still there are troubles and problems that plague your life. Why does that take us by surprise? Jesus said it would be this way in John chapter 16, verse 33. Whoever got people to believing that once we came to Jesus for salvation, all our problems would be put behind us, pulled off the greatest lie of the ages. In truth, instead of being a hedge against trouble, your salvation often opens the door for problems in your life. The truth of the matter is that we can expect life to a time filled with trouble. Job 14, verse 1. Instead of standing around with our mouths hanging open when trouble comes, we are supposed to rejoice, as in 1 Peter verses uh, 12 and 13. At the very least, we shouldn't be surprised. In verses 9 through 12, we see an uncontrollable situation. These verses reveal a widow woman who was suffering because of the wrongdoing of others, because of the sin of Ahab, Jezebel and the nation of Israel God sent a drought that affected the area where this widow lived she was just caught up in an unfortunate situation you know there are times like that for you and for me through no fault of our own we find ourselves caught up in unpleasant situations that bring trouble into our lives sometimes we make our own trouble other times it seems to be able to find us on its own this shouldn't take us by surprise. Jesus said things would be this way in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. If we expect to receive good in this life, why shouldn't we expect our fair share of evil also? Sometimes life just goes south on us, and there isn't a thing that we've done to cause it, nor is there much that we can do to stop it. Often pain, sorrow, and trouble are just part of the human experience. In verses 17 through 18, we see an untimely sorrow. In these verses, we find a woman who has given much to the Lord, and she has received much from the Lord. Yet she is thrown into a time of grief over the untimely death of her only son. Her world, which seemed to be on track, derailed and filled her with sorrow and pain. Have you ever been there? It seems like things couldn't get any better. The Lord's been blessing you and you've been enjoying all the best that God has to give and then the bottom falls out and all your hopes and dreams come crashing down around you. It hurts, but we shouldn't be surprised when things take a turn in this direction. After all, if it could happen to faithful, holy Job, then it should be able to happen to any person in the sound of my voice. Let's face it, our troubles have a way of overtaking us when we aren't expecting them. They sneak up on us, and they body slam us, and they leave us dazed, hurt, and confused. I just praise the Lord today that our troubles do not have the last word in this matter. Let's look at that manifest supply of our God. Your need may have caught you off guard and left you standing there with your chin on your chest wondering what happened. But your little old trial did not catch God by surprise. He was not caught off guard by what came about in your life. In fact, he knew it was going to happen before the foundation of the world. I'll go a step further and say that he even orchestrated this event in your life to help you become more like him. Romans chapter 8 verse 28. Since God knew about, and since he even had a hand in it, he also had made some preparations for it. You see, your need is merely the evidence of God's supply for you in waiting. Look at verses 3 through 4 that we just read. Look at God's past preparations. You know, thousands of years before Elijah needed a drink of cool, clear water, The finger of mighty God traced out the path of this little brook. God knew that his servant would need this provision. God knew it. And God made a way for Elijah long before the need ever arose. You see, the name of this brook, if I pronounce it correctly, was Sherath. This is a word that means cutting. Isn't it good to know that God made a way to cut Elijah's thirst before Elijah ever got thirsty? Let's follow this thought and bring it up into our own day. If God knows all about my troubles before they come, and if God has a hand in my troubles, and he does, look at Isaiah chapter 45, verse seven, where the prophet says, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Now, if, and if all these things really do work together for my good, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, and Romans chapter 8, verse 18, and Romans chapter 8, verse 28, I could keep going, and they do, then it stands to reason that God already has taken all the steps necessary to meet your need before it ever arises. You know, it may seem to us that the Lord isn't moving, that he's just going to leave you to twist in the breeze. But the truth is, God has already met our need before the need ever arose. He will manifest that supply in his own way and in his own time. Your duty is to be patient and faithful to the Lord and to his will for your life. He will take care of you. Look at Psalms 84, verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. You know, nowhere is God's past provision more clearly seen than in that area of our salvation. You see, before there was ever a sinner to save, God has already given up his son Jesus to be the means of salvation for all who would place their faith in him. that God met your salvation needs before you ever had any. If God can meet this greatest of all needs, and he did, then he will have no problem taking care of you. Look at verse 6, God's present supply. See, in this verse, we see that Elijah is being fed by the ravens. God knew that that his man needed to eat and God supplied the necessities of life for the man of God. Notice here that God's methods were at the same time miraculous and yet ordinary. They were miraculous in that God used ravens to bring food to the prophet and ordinary in that he used a common fowl of the air to get his will done. I want you to know today that God has promised to meet your needs. Look at Philippians 4.19. However, I want you to know also this promise is conditional. The Philippian believers as sacrifice to give to missionaries and to Paul and God tells them that he will take care of their needs. This is not a blanket promise that Christians can lift out of context and apply across the board. You may disagree but I believe that God will let us experience need to get us in line with his plan for our lives. Will he take care of you? Yes. Does he love you? Yes. Just don't expect God to bless your mess. But my friends, if you're tithing and you're being faithful to the Lord, I believe with all my heart that he will meet the needs that arise in your life and mine. He tells us in no uncertain terms what he expects and what he will do. And as in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. If you look at verse 14 that we read, God has a promise for tomorrow. Elijah's demand and the widow's response. Elijah tells her not to worry because the Lord will give her what she needs out into the future. See, the future is always uncertain and we never know what kind of needs may arise as soon as tomorrow, but we have the precious promise of the Lord that he is with us, like in Hebrews chapter 13, verse five, and that he knows the way we take in Job 23.10 and that he will look out for us all the way home to glory. I may not know what will come in the morning, but I do know one who's already been to tomorrow. He knows what will happen. He's already made preparations for my arrival, John fourteen two. No matter where the road of life leads and no matter what problems arise, God is always ready with the necessary means to meet the need of his children. Look at Hagar in the wilderness, Genesis twenty-one nineteen. If God can do it for him, he will do it for you. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. You know, there is a marvelous secret for getting your needs met. If secret can be summed up in one word, I would have to say that would be faith. This faith must manifest itself in four areas of life, and they're illustrated next for you and for me. There must be faith in the word and the will of God. See, Elijah had just confronted the king of Israel, and now God is sending him into the wilderness. It must have been a little confusing, but God's people must learn to place their faith in the will of God. Often God's will and our will are two entirely different things things. But the secret to getting your needs met by God is trusting that God knows what is best for your life and by being willing to submit to his will even when you don't understand it. God can bless and use a surrendered life. When in the midst of of life hides God's glory from your view, you must rest assured that he is there and he's faithfully executing his plan for the ages and for your life. There must be faith in the ways of God. You know, imagine how Elijah felt when his brook dried up and the ravens quit bringing food. And then God comes along and says, go to a widow so she can keep you up. Widows are poor. They weren't known for putting on the dog, as we say in East Tennessee. But Elijah knew that God knew more about taking care of prophets than Elijah did, and he just went. If you try to sit around and worry about what's happening in your life, and if you spend your time trying to figure out what God is doing, you will go crazy. You can't understand God, and you can't figure him out. If you could, he would cease to be a God, and you would become God. If you were God, then you could fix your own mess, and you wouldn't need him anyway. We must have faith in the great truth that God knows what he's doing and we must learn to trust God's ways. Isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 through 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. My brothers and sisters, there must be faith in the work of God. Put yourself in this widow's place. She's at the point of starvation. She and her son have enough food left for one final meal, and then they plan to lie down and starve to death. Then here comes the preacher. He tells her to feed him first. It must have been a real trial of faith for this woman to make that great a sacrifice. But she placed her faith in the work of God. Notice in verse 13, she is told to go and do. Verse 15 tells us that she went and did. This is the key, but it's often missed by people when they face a trial of life. If you submitted your life to the Lord and you are faithfully engaged in carrying out his will in the world, you are on the Lord's payroll and you are his responsibility. Too often we forget to whom we belong. Look at Matthew chapter 6 verses 25 through 33 and 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 20 if you need a reminder. There must be faith in the word of God. This widow woman entered this valley of testing with the greatest promise ever to be given to anyone. Did you see it? Don't miss this now. In verse 14, the prophet gives her the promise in the form of a seven word statement Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. When you have God's word on an issue, that issue is settled forever. This woman had the promise of God to back up her faith. Now, we all know that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Therefore, when we read the statement of David in Psalm thirty-seven twenty-five, it says, I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Then we can place our faith in that. Folks, the devil will lie to you. The world will lie to you. Your family and friends will lie to you. But you can rest assured that while the universe stands and there is a great God in heaven, he will never lie to you. And if God said that he would look after your need, then you can take that to the bank of eternity and know it will draw interest forever. You can place your faith in the word of God. You know, during these times, we must keep faith in the wonder of God. If you look at this context, this faithful widow's son died suddenly, and she sent to the man of God for help. Now, as far as I can determine, this is the first account of a resurrection in the Bible. Elijah has never seen one, nor had he heard of one, but he believed that God could produce one by his great power. Here's one of the great keys to getting your needs met by God. It is simply coming to the place where you just believe God is big enough to handle your problem. And sometimes, if God wants you to pay attention, he will take you to the desert. So you must trust in him. It's reaching the place Paul came to when he made that matchless declaration found in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 that says, Now unto him is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. You see, when we get beyond God could and God might, and we come to the place where we become confident that God can and God will, then we will see business pick up in that area of our life and see our needs met. Those who see God consistently come through for them in strange and miraculous ways are people who know that God can, he will, and he does. Does the word faith sum up your life? No, it should. We're supposed to be a people of faith. Faith looks beyond the present pain and sees a God who can and will. You know, I know this message hasn't been earth-shaking and deeply profound, but I hope it's opened your eyes to the truth that if God can do anything, then God can certainly meet your needs. Since we know from the Bible that God can, why not bring your needs and your burden and your worries and fears to him today and find out that not only can he, but he will. Maybe your need is that of salvation. You can come today and have that need met. Maybe yours is a material or a physical need. You can come and find the assurance that God will take care of that too. Maybe your need is emotional in nature. God can handle that. Whatever the need, bring it to God. Satan and the flesh say, can God really do it? Those who stand up in faith rest their head on the precious promises of the word of God and in blessed assurance reply back, God can really do it. Bow with me, please, if you can. Our gracious heavenly father, we thank you for your lesson today. We thank you for the words that have been read today from your word. Father, we know that in our time of need, you are there we know that from the beginning of the world before we were ever born that you made a way to take care of our need Father there are some people today in the sound of my voice that have needs some have not accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior Father I ask you to move on their heart today move on their heart Father, there may be some out there that have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but for some reason they slipped by the wayside. And maybe it's something that somebody said. Maybe it's something that somebody did. Maybe some other hurt in their life that caused them to stop casting their faith on you and their belief on you. Father, I ask you to move in their life too because we need prayer warriors. We need warriors for the kingdom of heaven. Father, whatever the need, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, I ask you to meet the needs of these people that are in the sound of my voice today. This prayer I ask in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. If you made a decision today, I would like to know about it. If you would, please send an email to Ministry at christ-lives.org or visit our website, www.christ-lives.org and visit the contact page. If you'd like us to pray for you, please let us know. You don't have to leave your name. God knows who you are. My brothers and sisters, thank you for listening today. And just remember, can God really do it? Yes, God can really do it. Amen.